0: Hi there and welcome along to episode 115 of the Net weekly podcast, the free and independent Rangers podcast that is made by fans for fans. And as we say every week, guys, it's not just the podcast that is free and available to you all. We also have all of the great content over on the website at www.jersnet.co.uk where there's match reviews, previews, a lot of articles, historical stuff and a very, very friendly fans forum. So please do get involved in that as well. Um, As always, if you're joining us live, we are live on uh, on Sunday evening. It's the 29th of November. It's just gone 9.30. Sorry, we're a couple of minutes late, but it's a bit of a faff setting up the live stream and we're very good at it. Um, But if you are joining us live, then you're very welcome. My name is Ross Bennett, and I will be your host this evening. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on the comments on the YouTube stream. So if you have any questions, any comments, it is a bit of a beautiful Sunday for us all in the Rangers world. So please do let us know how you're feeling this evening after the trials and tribulations of the League Cup today. um, If you're not joining us live, please remember the podcast is available for download every Monday morning, and that's available on iTunes, Google Play, Acast, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Please do hit the like and subscribe button, and you will never miss a thing. Uh, it's a jam-packed show this evening, but it's a jam-packed show every week, so that's no excuse. Um, I've got two top-caliber guests to join you this evening. We're very, very grateful to have them given up their time this evening. First of all, it's Ian Duff. Ian, good evening. How are you? Very well, thank you. Excellent. Have you, uh, have you enjoyed watching the football today? It's
1: been not bad, hasn't it? Yeah. I think the word schadenfreude uh, comes to mind for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh,
0: I mean, are you talking? about Liverpool are you talking about Chelsea Spurs or is there another game that's kind of caught your eye today?
1: Uh, just in general really.
0: Yeah, exactly exactly I mean look we are, we are a, a Rangers podcast we are here to talk about Rangers and, and nothing else but you do sort of take a, a wee bit of delight seeing the, the meltdown that's happening over the other end of the city. Have you seen the, seen the photos and the pictures that are coming from Parkhead at the moment?
1: Just bizarre really isn't it? I mean you know you would think how would how would they react if there was something really bad happening you know how would they have got through the last 10 years that we've we've been through you know just bonkers but anyway
0: yeah, that's that's the thing i was just chatting off there saying that all the stuff we've gone through in the last decade i don't remember us ever rioting and throwing barriers at police fans and all the like but a club like no other um also joining us this evening again we're very very lucky to have stuart weir stuart good evening how's your weekend been Good evening, yes, uh, a thoroughly
2: enjoyable uh, weekend, usual usual arguments um, that you have any time it comes to putting Christmas decorations up uh, whilst it's still November. Um, I'm a traditionalist as far as that goes simply because um, I'd actually, I like looking at things like snow and Christmas decorations usually on Christmas cards only. So um, it's been a traumatic weekend but not as traumatic as it has been for some people.
0: Who who generally wins that argument, Stuart?
2: Uh, I I have uh, basically i to to concede over the years. I like a quiet and peaceful life, so therefore I give in quite easily.
0: Excellent. No, glad to, I, I think that you've got to pick your battles. So I, I don't blame you there at all. Um, listen, gents. Now we are a, a Rangers podcast. We are here to talk about Rangers and and, and Rangers alone, but. I think it is worth mentioning just kind of what's going on over in, in the east end of the city at the moment. Obviously, Celtic knocked out of the uh, Scottish League Cup this afternoon. It's, it's the first domestic cup that they've been knocked out of for three or four seasons now. And, and uh, fair to say that their fans aren't taking it overly well. At the moment, as, uh, at the time of recording this show, Neil Lennon is, uh, is still the manager over there. But of course, if anything develops over the next hour or so, we will bring it to you as soon as we hear it. Stuart, you and I were just chatting off there um, just before we came live and, and and you thought that actually this might have repercussions for, for the wider Scottish football game in terms of getting fans back in, in the grounds. What are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I would I would be utterly amazed if the, there isn't a knock-on effect from this where um, football fans are always seen as being one and the same, regardless of whatever club they come from or regardless of whether they're fans from the same club, they, it's very easy for some of the parliamentarians that we have just now to, to really tar everyone with the same, the same brush. And they wait almost for any excuse to, to put football fans and football supporters... Uh, under the under the cosh you know I I, I, again it's we're in a situation where none of us have left through anything like that there are
0: certain restrictions we appear to have lost you Stuart are you still with us no maybe not well I'm sure it was a I'm sure it was a cracking point he was about to make um, Ian are you you're still with us aren't you or is it, is it a problem at my end
1: yeah I'm still here okay
0: fantastic well I think you and I will have a bit of a chat until uh, until Stuart joins us again um, we'll move on we'll start talking about the, the, the Falkirk game this afternoon obviously for, for anyone who's been avoiding the score I'm afraid I'm about to spoil it for you uh, but Rangers uh, progressed to the quarterfinals of the Scottish League Cup today the Betfred Cup putting four goals past Falkirk um, a very confident and assured performance uh, you know, potential banana skin going away there, plastic pitch, seeing, you know, the, the shock result over at, at Celtic. Um, so a very, very professional job, in my opinion, Ian, to, to get through. There was a lot of squad rotation and a lot of players dropping out and being replaced by maybe more players on the fringes of the squad. Um, but it was still a very competent lineup. Were you surprised to see so many changes or, or were you maybe surprised to see that there were still so many first choice, important players, Borna Barisic, Tavernier... Um still quite a few of them making the starting
1: eleven today. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit surprised that um, Tavernier and uh, Barisic both started. I think probably if uh, uh, Bassy wasn't required in, in, in centre half, then he would have probably started ahead of uh, Barisic today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know we've we've got a big squad now, and we've got a pretty talented squad. Uh, And, you know, that first 11 that started today, you'd have been pretty happy with that uh, in most games, you know, to be honest. And um, I think that sort of shows the the strength and depth uh, the the squad's got now. Because if this had been even last season, I think we'd have struggled to put out a team that, you know, that that strong, making so many changes. So, you know, that that in itself is a real positive. Um, I mean, I thought the guys that came in, most of them, did a fairly decent job. I thought, you know, most of them uh, uh, did what was asked of them and, you know, as you say, it was a very professional job. I thought Falkirk actually, um, first half especially, I thought, were, Given more, causing more trouble, and uh, you know, offering more than most of the teams have played this season in the in the Premier League. So you know, fair play to them, um, and uh, maybe they're a bit unlucky that they were three behind in some ways at uh, half time But you know, I thought overall that it was a it was a, a strong professional performance. All those factors you said, the pitch looks really difficult to play on. I thought the ball just seemed to be flying about on it, and uh, and that's never easy. And it was a you know, it's five o'clock on Sunday night—not the best time for for playing either. So yeah, overall, you know, you've got got to be happy with the, the outcome.
0: It's it's funny. I, I completely agree with you, Ian. That watching that game, they did they did appear that they put up more of a fight than uh, the, than some of the Premier League teams that we've faced this season. And, and looking at Falkirk squad, actually, there were so many names that we all recognised. There were Blair Alston and Morgaro Gomez and Connor Salmon and. You know, sort of really established Premier League, Scottish Premier League players who are, are now playing their trade in Falkirk. So, a very professional display indeed, and, and and very relieving to go and take four uh, four goals and, and and move on with minimal fuss and, and hopefully no injuries uh, other than, than Brandon Barker, who I think everyone's aware is is, is far from my favourite player. Um, a, a phenomenal sort of opening goal again from Jermaine Defoe, Ian. Uh, the last time that we saw Defoe play, and I think was was Livingston when he scored last month's goal of the month um, with that lovely ball over the top that he cushioned down and, and, and took first time, and he, he scored another goal that's not too dissimilar today. After that game, Ian, and he said that he was angry, or, or or Gerard mentioned that Defoe was angry at the lack of. I'm game
2: back Ian. in case anybody's interested. You're back. <laughs> sure. What, what I
0: was going to say is, is I just. A, I, like, I, I...
2: Actually, I just finished my rant there, and it suddenly came back up. I realised I've been speaking to myself for the last seven minutes. <laughs> I know the feeling.
0: Uh, I was thinking, is that is it your wife? Anyway, sorry about that. You'd stolen your stolen your power so that she can power off all the Christmas decorations. But we're we're glad to have you back. I'll direct this question to you then, Stuart. Um, Jermaine Defoe. Last time he was playing was against Livingston, and after the game, Gerard mentioned that Defoe was angry at his lack of playing time. And, and we never really saw him after that for a good few weeks. Um, he's come back in today, He scored a wonderful goal and he's taken it very well. And I thought he played it well over the 90 minutes. Are we are we utilising Jermaine Defoe enough? You know, he certainly gives us another dimension in attack.
2: He didn't play as if he was a man who had anger management issues, did he? He, he, he played like a guy who had a real bounce and a real skip in his step and the goal that he took was just a fantastic finish. I mean, it, for, for me, the goal and how it arrived was reminiscent of 30 years ago when Terry Butcher with his left foot used to ping balls yeah. over the top, probably diagonally in the opposite direction for Ali McCoys to run onto and hit right-footed back across the goals. It was, it was almost like a mirror image of what you might have been watching 30 years ago. And, you know, it was a fantastic... A fantastic finish and the, the initial ball just looks for, for many people just look like a punt you know diagonal punt across field looking roughly in the direction of the Defoe but it, it is it is placed you know with precision where it actually lands and how Defoe can run onto it and it also leaves the Falker defender you know scrambling all over the place to, to such an extent that it falls over Defoe's finish is, is majestic Is he being utilised enough? I I think he is probably and possibly getting as much game time as Steven Gerrard can afford him just now. I think Rangers have a, a wealth of riches in that position just now. And ultimately... Not everybody given the system that Rangers plays. Not everybody can play all of the time. And I think Jermaine Defoe, given his age, and given as well the demands on the Rangers squad, probably understands it more than anybody. That this will be a uh, this is a a, a a squad game these days, and will probably be happy to get any kind of game time at all.
0: I mean, his his return is certainly better than Cedric Itton. and yeah, Itton finds himself in the Europa League squad, whereas. Do you mean Defoe doesn't. It's a, a comment here from Peaceful Warrior on YouTube. surprised that Defoe isn't in the squad. I think that's a fair comment. Do you think that defoe Stewart can be aggrieved or disappointed that he's he's limited to such you know, maybe the less meaningful games and, and he's not getting a taste of Europe? I think if,
2: if you look at you're, you're, you've got a squad of players and a group of players that are trying to utilise across a number of matches. I think that that, that what Rangers have with Morales and Roof, if they are playing and playing well, is almost is almost light for like almost light for like, and I think you don't you only need two strikers like that. You don't need three, and I think that Aiton gives you a difference. Given because he he's a as physical stature, he's a he's a bigger guy, therefore he can play more direct through the middle, and he's also he's also pretty good at holding the ball up. In wider positions, Defoe can do that as well. But I, I think that the aerial um, menace that he might have might give him the edge over Defoe, given that you already have two players who are similar in that particular position.
0: Ian, let's let's stay on Cedric Etienne. Then he seems to be a solid, if if maybe unspectacular signing so far. I mean, his his, his first goal. A uh, away at Motherwell, I thought was exquisite, and I, I think I'm right in saying that one goal of the month for for September. Um, but since then, you know, his his game time has been limited, and I, I thought whilst he had some some nice moments today, he also had some frustrations. Are you are you happy with his contribution, and and do you think maybe he might be frustrated at the lack of opportunity that he's seeing at the club?
1: Well, I'm sure he will be frustrated. I mean, you know, you would think that pretty much any player who's not starting every game is going to be. Frustrated and angry and determined to to prove that he should be playing, and you know that's that's quite right. I and mean, I don't think necessarily that uh, I don't think he should be starting games necessarily ahead of some of the other guys. But uh, the same, but the same token, um, I thought he actually was pretty decent today. I think if he'd taken one of the couple of chances that he had, um, we'd be talking about him um, having a really. Uh, a really positive game today, so you know, I, I think you know, he's, he's not an out, I don't think anyway, he's an out and out striker, he's not that uh, that type. He's he's brings something different. I wouldn't compare him to Defoe at all, uh, and, and being one or the other to be playing. Um, and I can never see why Defoe, some people would think should be in the European squad, but I think it brings something a, a, a little bit different, and uh, and I, I do think you'll. I do think he'll be a useful um, addition to this to this uh, Rangers team. I don't think he'll be starting every week, but when he's called upon, he's. Uh, I don't think he's uh, done anything wrong so far.
0: Yeah, fair point. Look, I think with the the form that Kamar Roof is showing, and then we'll talk about him a little bit later on when he comes to cover the Benfica game, the form that Roof is showing and, and the natural kind of predatory instincts of, of someone like Morellos and Defoe, then Itton has a, a really, really difficult job to try and force his way into this side, and we say, you know, we're, we're scoring so many goals at the moment and it's it's hard to drop any of your stripers when that's the case. Ian, we'll go from, from front to back. Let's have a little chat about Calvin Bassey. Um, first goal for the club today and and you could see it, it kind of meant quite a lot for him. Um, Stephen Cregan made a quite a big deal of the fact that Calvin Bassey had never played first-team football before and he's, he's only learning how to play men's football now. How impressed have you been with his, his first few months at the club?
1: I've been massively impressed by him to be honest I mean I know we haven't seen a huge amount of him he's only played a few games Uh, but when he has played he's looked really good Um, really confident Uh, you know hasn't made any major mistakes and uh, when he has made minor mistakes he's recovered from them quite quickly so uh, he looks dangerous going forward defensively he looks pretty reliable uh, came in and played center back today tonight which uh, you know you might think isn't his natural position and uh, looked pretty uh, pretty confident and pretty comfortable there so yeah i think he's he has the potential to be uh, definitely a, a long term uh, if not a, a short-term uh, success, um, I mean, I also I, I guess I mean there's there's been a lot of speculation about uh, Baricic and whether anyone's interested in signing him. I mean, Bassi would be the natural replacement, obviously, and, and at the moment you would say, well, you know, he's he's, he's still quite raw, but um, but he has the potential here to to step into those boots without any question I doubt, uh, at all. I would hope it would not be that soon hopefully it would be the end of this season rather than halfway through this season but you know i think if called upon he's uh he'll do a, a great job for us um and yeah i mean he's, he's attacking prowess is, is is pretty pretty impressive he's uh and i'm glad to see he got a, a goal there a predatory goal as well so yeah i'm i'm really impressed by him i mean it's it, 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 he
0: has threatened to score in the past you know and he does he's, he's certainly a different player to go on and Again, Borna, I think, had a good game today and a, yet another wonderful free kick. Um, so he's, he's, he's not the same type of player, but he, he has shown tenacity in getting forward and he's, he's good on the ball, doesn't mind a tackle. And he, he kind of has all of those different elements that you kind of want in a, a modern-day fullback. So um, I think the future is probably very, very bright for Calvin Bassey. He's not got the easiest job trying to displace Borna Barasic. And um, obviously, as we move into the, the second half of the season and, and – the business end of these competitions, if you like, I think his game time might get a little bit more restricted um, when there's, there's fewer, uh, easier games, you know, fewer cup games against lower league opposition and like, but I think he, he came in today, obviously, uh, Halander unable to make the squad for, for medical reasons as we'll come on to, but he's, he's come in today filled in at, at centre half, which is not his, his first position. And he's done very, very well. I think he can be, he can be very proud of his performance. Um, Stuart, someone who's been a little bit more, let's say, mercurial this season. We discussed three weeks ago in the show, we discussed Giannis Hadji. And we mentioned at that time that his, his stats are good. His output is good in terms of the number of assists. I think he's still leading the, the SPFL Premiership in the number of assists this season. Yet his performances don't seem to be living up to, to what we've seen him do maybe in the second half of last season when he was here on loan. Would you put that down to a confidence issue, or would you suggest that perhaps we we rushed into signing this guy off the back of a good game against Braga last year? Uh,
2: yes and no. I think he is a young guy. He's still, I mean, he's still relatively young. He's only what twenty two, so therefore he's still developing as a player. The type of player that he is, as well, is a bit like a winger, you know. Um, wingers can probably tell you within five minutes of a game kicking off what kind of afternoon they're going to have. I remember, I remember Davy Cooper telling me that um, he'd actually moved to Motherwell and Scotland played Norway in a World Cup qualifier, and Davy went to go past the fullback, and the fullback just stuck out his leg and deflected the ball away. And Davy said, "I knew it wasn't really going to be a great night then," and that was that was probably his first touch and his first attempt to take on the guy and I think that Hadji, given what he, what the kind of game he's got and, and what he tries to what he tries to achieve from everything that he does and in other words, he tries to be creative he tries to link in with what's going on round about him, he tries to to create and make and take opportunities I think sometimes it's very difficult to be Mr. 8 out of 10 in every single game um, and I think what we've actually seen is that Rangers have actually they, they purchased somebody on what they previously seen, but they also I think purchased the potential because the there was a there was a gap in the market or a gap in the squad for somebody who could fulfil that particular role. I think the Rangers squad has moved on and evolved maybe since then, um, and it means it had you when he does get the chance there's probably a tad more pressure on him to, to you know, create and to bring something to the party, something because others are doing it around him. Uh, I wouldn't be too critical. I think he, you know, people have made all, all, all season, people have commented that look at Rangers starting 11 and then look at who they've got on the bench. You're only able to make that comment that you know, look at who Rangers have got in the wings waiting to come on. If you actually go out and sign somebody like Hadji, um, so therefore, I, I, you know, the jury might be out in some quarters about what he actually has achieved or what he might, you know, offer up to to Rangers currently. Me, I'm always, you know, I'll give him the, the, the benefit of the doubt. I've actually been quite impressed, you know, with some of the things that he's actually done. You could do more, but ultimately, I think he would still get pass marks from me.
1: I think one of the things we've been talking about uh, for the last few years is that Rangers didn't have game changers. They had, you know, some solid players who, who did stuff, but if we were looking for someone who could unlock a, a really tough defence or or come on and just do something a wee bit special and, and change a game that was uh, looking as if it was never going to go our way, then we didn't have anyone like that. And I think Haji is a player like that, uh, you know, like Stuart says, I mean, he doesn't maybe produce it for 90 minutes every week, every game he plays, but, you know, that one magic moment might be enough to to win a a match or struggling to win or win a trophy or get through to the next round of the uh, Europa League, for instance, uh, as he did last season. So, you know, I think, you know, he's a, yeah, he's he's maybe a frustrating player like that kind of uh, creative player is, but you know we really needed a, a creative player uh, to, who can do that sort of thing, and you know I'm I'm hoping that he'll, he'll develop and you'll you know to the it'll be more than just a a, a sort of a game changer, and, and his his overall game will, will improve as well. But even at that, you know he's the kind of player we need and, and we we always have needed. You see, the thing that that worries me or frustrates me, Ian, is that I agree
0: he, he is the kind of player who, who absolutely could come on and, and change a game. But when was the last time that he actually did? You know, I'm not sure this, this season that he's actually been that player who's, who's come on and, and made the difference for us.
1: Well, I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But, you know, you pointed out the stats earlier on where he's uh, leading the, the assist table. Uh, so he's obviously doing something right. Um, if he's creating goals, then he's he's helping us win games. So, you know, in that context, it might not be the, the spectacular uh, last minute uh, free kick. But at the same time, he's if he's creating goals for, for other players, then he's doing his job. Um, and, you know you know, that's that's what we need. You
2: know, we need players creating as well as players banging in the net. Looking, uh, can I just, sorry, can I just uh, uh, um, ask you, Ross, uh, what you say there, you know, about not changing games. How many times really this season have Rangers had to change matches? I, I, I wouldn't say it was very, very often. I would say that Rangers have probably been in the box seat and, have probably been setting the agenda in games. Therefore, they've been ahead. Therefore, when he actually has come on, there has been less for on the creative side of what he might do, and more of the option player to be the outball or to provide a certain role if he does start a match. And I think I think you have to look at not just his performances, but overall in the context of rangers and how they've been performing and and if you look at it in that context rangers are winning rangers are playing well therefore if he's taking his place in the starting lineup or on the bench steven gerrard obviously believes that he is contributing and that is the reason why um he's 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 in that in that starting squad
0: i think i think that's a fair point and Judging by the comments here on YouTube, I think I'm probably in, in the minority with, with having this frustration. You know, um, Arizona Bay here pointing out it wasn't so long ago that fans were wanting rid of Tavani Barisic. Peaceful Warrior Hadji has a lot in his locker. Mark Gallagher Hadji still settling in. He's here a couple of months and the season ended. Warner took a year and a bit to get up to full speed. I think these are all very, very relevant points. Um, I agree. He, he has something that you can't put your finger on, like put, maybe like Peter Lovencrans, but. Um, what, what frustrates me, Stuart, is that we've, we've spent £4 million on this player who maybe he is struggling for confidence at the moment. And, and yes, he's, he's young, and that's fine. But if he's struggling for confidence, then I'm not sure how we could engineer a situation in which we could help him develop more confidence than we already have done. You know, like you say, we're in the driving seat for almost every single game we play. Today, he's gone with with no kind of pressure from fans in the stands that everything's behind closed doors, to a League One side. And again, he never really shone, never really managed to create too much today. A couple of times made the wrong decision. So I don't know. I'm not sure at the moment that we're seeing the full potential of this guy. And, and one of the conclusions we kind of tentatively came to a few weeks ago was maybe, maybe the Scottish game isn't right for this player and this player isn't right for the Scottish game. Do you think there's... You know, there's been plenty of players that we've seen, unfortunately, fall into that category in the past. Do you think there's a danger that Haji might be one of them? Uh,
2: it's an it's an argument um, that you could you could make. I, I still think that the point I made at the kind of the outset that the only way you're able to talk about strength and depth of this Rangers squad currently, and the fact that they have game changers on the bench. Or people that offer you something different on the bench is because you've you know you've had to go out and make these signings because there was nobody in the squad like that. You know, if you imagine Hadji is now a a, a a Rangers player, and that say for instance Ryan Kent is a Rangers player, a season or a bit back Kent wasn't a Rangers player in as much as he was only on loan at the club, and Rangers went out and spent big money. And you know, in in current terms, Rangers spent big, big money on bringing him to the club, and I think that we might not see it. And you know, there's a danger in Scottish football always of not actually appreciating or seeing what you have. But that that Rangers can only augment the current squad or make the current squad better by signing four million pound players. I tell, I think tells you where Rangers are at. In terms of their their building process, and also in terms of the 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 players that they now possess, I I, I think they could have gone out and get another couple of loan signings, um a, a season or two back. I think now the fact that they have to go and make that kind of signing to have a you know a more permanent fixture, I think says everything about how Rangers have developed under Stephen Gerrard.
0: Well, the development under Stephen Gerrard has been quite quite remarkable, I think, and. Especially when you, you compare that to the, the downward curve that the, the other side of the city are on. Um, Ian, if we talk about the, the League Cup quarterfinals now that we go into, we get drawn away at St Mirren. It's, it's quite remarkable, actually, that that was probably the maybe not the toughest, but the second or third toughest draw we could have got would have been St Mirren. And I know that we, we probably are not too disappointed to, to, to see that what's your immediate reaction
1: to the tie as that's come out today? Well, I mean, you obviously always want a home tie for, for any game, uh, even though there's no fans there. You know, you get your own uh, in your own comfort zone. So, that that's disappointing. But, I mean, if we've got any ambitions to do anything at all, um, we should be beating St Mirren home or away. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. So, you know, A tie against, say, Hibs might have been tricky. I would like to think the Rangers would go into that game against Marin, you know, without any great... I mean, I'm not wanting to suggest they should be complacent at all, and I don't think they would be, but, you know, I I don't think they should have anything to fear about it. I think they should go into that and and win that game. And I do think, you know, uh, that, you know, this is... I, th- I think I think troph- winning a trophy uh, will be the making of this team. I mean, we're, we're, as far as we are, and we're doing really well, uh, successful domestically, doing really well European, but we haven't won a trophy for God knows how long. Um, and that is always going to be sort of hanging over the, 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 this current team. Um, and until that changes then they'll always be there. So winning a trophy is going to be mightily important. And, you know, there won't be a better opportunity to win a trophy than there is this season, partly because of how well we're playing and partly because of who else is left in the competition. So, you know, this, this is, you know, Stephen Gerrard should be, you know, driving that home to the players. This is your chance. Get, get that first trophy and then that will be the building blocks for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, Personally, I think they will. I think, you know, I can't see any reason why why that shouldn't happen. But you know, the draw, yeah, you know, not not the probably not the easiest draw it could have been, but by no means the hardest, and definitely not something we should have any concerns about.
0: Well, I mean, if we... I think if we
1: reach the last day of a competition sorry, I think if
2: we reach the last day of a competition, domestic competition, and the 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 toughest or second toughest draw that you can get is probably St Mirren away. I think it tells you everything about the level of competition in the tournament Absolutely. that year.
0: Well, that's that's exactly my point, Stuart. I mean, you look at the other teams involved and it's it's Hibbs, St Mirren, Livingston, Kilmarnock are the only teams, sorry, not even St Mirren, Hibs, Livingston, Kilmarnock are the only teams that have given us really any bother in the last few seasons. You then got St Johnston, St Mirren, than Firmland and Alloa, I mean, Stuart. Is there any reason or any excuse for us not winning this this trophy this year?
2: Uh, yeah, complacency. Um, and uh, and uh, if you look at if you look at events across uh, the east end of Glasgow tonight, um, you will see the net effect of of how some followers uh, of football have taken a, a particular result in the the League Cup. Um, That was Celtic's first defeat in a domestic cup competition for four and a half years since the last defeat, which actually came under Ronnie Dyler's reign and was uh, when Rangers beat Celtic in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. And all Rangers had to do after winning that game was turn up at Hampden and there would be a, a, a ceremonial uh, presentation of the trophy because it was only Hibs that were turning up, and Rangers were found wanting that day. and And to be honest, that was a that was a, a trophy and a cup final that Rangers should have won. But I honestly be- think I honestly believe, and nothing will change my mind on it. They actually turned up thinking they'd actually won it before, or they won it as soon as Celtic missed the penalty in the semi final. I I don't see. Steven Jenner being that complacent I think that Rangers on, on two fronts, one Rangers definitely want to win a trophy but secondly Rangers are in a position just now where they, they do not want to lose any match, they do not want to be second best in any game and that hasn't really mattered if it's a Scottish League Cup tie or a group game or uh, in the, the Europa League or a uh, the second leg of a Europa League tie that Rangers are already five nothing up and after the first leg, or an away trip in the SPFL, Rangers have got a, a a hunger about them, and part of that hunger is to preserve and maintain the the run that they are currently on, and and for that reason, I think that you know R- Rangers, as as Ian um has said, I think that Rangers will we'll win this tie and be in the semi-finals and it's all about them keeping their focus and doing what they do best rather and, and and not believing at any point in time that this is their year. All that happened at Celtic Park this afternoon was it installed Rangers as the favourites for this particular competition. It did not put red, white and blue ribbons on the trophy. I
0: think that's that's very, very well put and, and I know that a lot of us were we're at hand on that day back in 2016 when we uh, did not manage to beat Hibbs, and we certainly don't want to don't want a repeat of that. I mean, looking at the odds for this tournament in total, it's it's you know Rangers are at two to one on, so one to two, and it's, it's clear that the bookies are giving us a very very strong favourable chance of, of winning the trophy. And it's been a long enough wait. And yes, it's only the League Cup, and and there should be bigger and better prizes to be won this season and in the seasons to come. But this is a real indicator of, of how far Rangers have come the dominance that we're showing this year uh, domestically. And it's, uh, I, I think today has to go down as a, a very, very good day indeed for us. Uh, gents, we're going to move on and, and and look back to Thursday night now, where we uh, moved from the, the Betfred Cup to the Europa League. The Thursday, we managed to go 2-0 up at home against Benfica, uh, only to, to sadly concede two goals again late on. Very reminiscent of, of three weeks ago when we went from three one to three each over in Lisbon. Ian, putting the disappointment of the result to one side, uh, Gerard, in his post post match interview, he mentioned that he thought that two each was a was a fair result, and he was kind of quite philosophical in his in his comments after the game. Putting the disappointment of the result to one side, how do you think we actually played
1: on Thursday evening? I thought. Uh... I thought we played well um, in the context of who are playing because Benfica, you know, as Stephen Jeller pointed out, are a very good team. They've got spent a lot of money on players during the summer. They, you know, you could tell that the players that, that came on, particularly, uh, were you know top class players. So given that. Who we we're playing against, I thought we played okay. Didn't th- I actually thought we played better in the in the game in Portugal, um, but uh, but we were two nil up, and uh, I wouldn't say we we're comfortable, but um, but things were, were looking pretty positive. Um, disappointing the way it turned out, and I think, uh, but you know, if. It's a bit of a cliche, but if you'd asked before the, the competition started whether we'd have been happy with two draws against Benfica, I think everybody would have said, yeah, definitely, especially if we were undefeated in the other two games. So, you know, I'm not too downhearted. I mean, it was obviously gutting the way it panned out because, you know, we were, w- whether whether we should have been or shouldn't have been, we were 2-0 up and had the opportunity to to get a really big scalp and, and basically... Potentially get qualified through the next round with two games to spare. Um, so it was disappointing that didn't happen. But you know, in, in the overall context of the game, I think a two-all draw with uh, Benfica is not something to be too downhearted about. Um, there was things, aspects during the game that I, you know, different things that I thought you know, if we'd done things differently, then maybe it would have panned out in a different way. But you know, that's that's for the manager to to make these decisions, and you know. And, and hopefully if he thinks that he got it wrong, then he'll learn from that in the future. But it's not for me to, to necessarily to, to question him. Um, but, you yeah, uh, know, played okay, um, but, you know, disappointing not to get the win. But overall, you know, cannot complain, really, I don't think, uh, about the, the, the outcome of the match. I, I agree, Ian. I think, again, you, you, can, you can make those
0: clichés that we'd have taken a point before the game and... We'd have taken eight points at the start of the, the start of the campaign, and, and I think those are all very valid. It doesn't necessarily soften the blow of actually conceding those two equalizers, and it maybe it speaks to how far Rangers have come in the last three or four years to go from, you know, Pedro Caixinha standing in a bush in Luxembourg through to disappointment at only drawing <laughs> against Benfica twice. Exactly, um, and that's that's testament to the work done by Mr. Gerard and, and his staff. But that doesn't necessarily soften the blow when you're a little bit irrational and emotional on, on Thursday night. Um, Stuart, that's twice that we've lost two goal leads against Benfica. Could you make an argument that we never learned our lesson from the away tie and, and kind of repeated mistakes when we played them on Thursday?
2: I, I could make that argument, but that would be rather like going into the, climbing into the boxing ring and not being able to understand how you ended up with a bloody nose and a black eye, because the other guy isn't just going to stand there and let you hit him. He's actually going to come back and hit you every now and again. And I think Benfica are the type of club and possess the type of players who can 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 do that. And unfortunately for Rangers, it, it's happened twice. You know, lightning lightning did strike twice. And even if even if Rangers had learned from the first game against Benfica, which I actually found to be more of a disappointment given the, the 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 fact that Benfica were down to ten men and that really should have been a game that Rangers closed out. But that you know the Rangers you could say didn't learn by their mistakes. I think that's actually slightly doing an injustice to the calibre of the opposition that they were playing. Put it it this way, that Benfica side, you know that there are at least one or two players in that team who will probably leave that club at the end of this season and the price tag on them will be around 15 to 20 million quid. Absolutely guaranteed. Absolutely guaranteed. And historically, that has been the case with Benfica over the over a, a number of years and that was the level and the calibre of opposition that Rangers were up against. The disappointment for me is, is sort of almost like in two levels. The first disappointment was that Rangers had the game won and and couldn't hold on. The biggest disappointment for me would be that Rangers had the game won and had they either won in Portugal or won at Ibrooks on Thursday night, it would have made life easier for them. Because the the remaining matches against the likes of Leg Poznan or against Standard Liège might have been like dead rubbers because Rangers had already qualified and therefore Steven Gerrard, other than trying to maintain the fantastic run that his club uh, is, is is on just now, he could have ultimately sacrificed one of those games and, and put out a far under side or a a a, a change side just to give other players a rest. And I, I think, you know, again, depending on what happens in the next tie, that might not be an option, get into game six. Um, and that's the that's the biggest disappointment for me, that, that guys can't be rested and, you know, ease up on their game time.
0: I think that's that's an interesting point. I've not really considered that, Stuart, that, that they might have otherwise been able to use opportunities to rotate and rest. Do you think that there's, obviously, as you say, if we'd have won on Thursday night, we would right now be talking about the last thirty-two and who might we draw, and, and we would have qualified. Do you think that the disappointment of, uh, of knowing that we haven't qualified yet could have a kind of psychological impact on the team, and, and that's something that, that Gerard might have to try and work through with them?
2: No, I, I actually, I, I, I don't. I think the. I don't think there is a disappointment in not having already qualified. I think it, it because the, the tournament and the games are still very much alive and are there to be won. I think that keeps the the, the focus and keeps Rangers grounded. You know, I I I, I get you know that that you might want an easier an easier run at things. You might want an easier uh, series of matches. But I think once you get to this stage, all you're looking for is a, a bit of respite and and the opportunity to take it easier or to risk certain players. I mean, a, a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about, you know, the likes of um, Bassey and who Rangers play at centre-back. I think the situation with the likes of Goldson, for instance, I, I think it might be that you take him out of the equation and... Tavernier out equation and Barisic out equation and basically line up with a completely different back four in one uh, in one of these games just to see how it operates and just to give players the chance to, to make their mark without the, the, the tried and tested around them. I I think from that perspective, I think that may be a trick that Rangers have missed out on. Ultimately, I think striving towards the top or the last 32 is, is what Rangers are ultimately interested in I don't think it really matters who you I actually think we've lost
0: Stuart again, you go again? Uh, You're going to
1: have to step in again Ian. I tell Sorry. you what I, what I was, what I would say is that I think there's a lot of disappointment after the game uh, from fans immediately after the game because we'd uh, thrown away that that win and, and, and that's understandable I think underlying that and is that there's a little sort of, and I feel it as well, I suppose, having watched Rangers in Europe for far longer than I care to think, 40 years, I think, was it, 41 years ago, I think, was the first European game I went to, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, we've all seen sort of that things just, you know, not going to plan basically, and and you know, so we would all want to see it in the bag as soon as we can, and that was the opportunity for that to happen. So now there's that sort of wee bit of doubt, I suppose, with the fans that uh, the, the the next game could go badly, and then we're you know we've got to win the last game or or, or whatever the, the scenario turns out to be. I don't think the players have that attitude. I think they're they're very positive. I think they're, I think the management team have have instilled a, a confidence in them that uh, means that. They, they'll, they will recover from that and I, I was concerned after the, the previous game against Benfica that they might not recover and they did I was concerned about the game uh, earlier in the season uh, Livingston where we got a lot of uh, criticism for the players after that and I was worried that they might recover not recover from that and they did so I, I don't think it will affect the players at all fans are a, you know di- we're, a, we're a different breed we, we see the negative I suppose in everything but uh, I think the players are, uh, are in the right place at the moment and I don't think they'll let it knock them off I think they'll go out and they'll probably win against Liege. Um, and I, I hope I won't be held uh, to account for those comments. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, th- I think the players are in a different place. I totally agree, and again, it shows the progress that this club has
0: made on the pitch in, in the last few seasons. The, the the mental strength and fortitude is something we've spoken about so many times this season. Um, I think I think this is going to be a very good example of that. Um, Ian, one of the players we haven't discussed so far, uh, who I think is bringing some incredible, incredible value and great performances to the club, is Kimar Roof. Um, obviously brought in from Anderlecht in the summer. Uh, previously played in England with with Oxford and then with Leeds, um, and, and was brought in for uh, you know a, a reasonable a reasonable fee by all accounts uh, to to challenge for a starting position up front, and he's obviously grabbed the headlines with his goal over in Liege Um, but another absolutely stunning strike on, on Thursday against Benfica, a really, really wonderful, wonderfully executed goal. Um this guy to me is is really showing some some real value. And whether that's someone who stays with us for for a number of years or someone that we move on after a year for, for a good profit, he, he really seems to be delivering very well and and certainly offers us something something that we don't have in our existing attackers. And you know, the, the way that he he holds the ball moves the ball brings others into play and and finishes well is making him a real threat how impressed have you been with with Roof since he joined the club
1: yeah he looks he looks like a really good player I and mean, he's he's obviously got a, a, you know good intelligence uh he's you know technical ability obviously as well we've you know seen his uh, his ability to score the spectacular goals and 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 you know he he looks like he might have Everything that we we hoped he would have, he's obviously I don't think at full fitness yet. Um, I suppose there's always that sort of. I mean, he had a, a setback with the, the injury um, shortly after his his first couple of games. Uh, that that's the only I suppose nagging doubt at the back of my mind is uh, is his fitness. Hopefully, you know he'll get back up to full fitness because it's always I suppose it's always difficult when players. Are, have been out for a while, and then they, they come back in again. They're always susceptible to getting more injuries. Um, so, and then at the end they get this sort of reputation of being uh, sort of uh, serial uh, injured players. Hopefully, he'll get back to full fitness, and I think that's why he's not starting every single game. I think Gerard is quite sensibly sort of bringing them in gradually and, and building them up and, uh, in terms of his fitness levels, um, and I think that's a, a sensible thing to do. Uh, but on, you know, on the surface of it, it, sounds, it looks as if he's uh, he's got all the attributes we, we're looking for, and uh, and definitely, you know, he's a different kind of player to Morelos. I thought he would have been an alternative to Morelos. It may well be that the, the two of them, uh, as we've we've seen in, in games, will uh, play together, and and that you know that that is great. You know, because it, 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 that was the biggest problem we had with Morelos last season was when he went off the boil. We had nothing else, and now we're in a situation where we've got Roof, potentially Itton, and uh, and uh, Defoe as well, and, and the, the sort of domestic games. So, yeah, I mean, it's he, he, he definitely looks, and I, I don't know whether you know he's a long term uh player for us or not. I mean, you know, you never know how these things will work out if, if he was signed with a view to. Uh, getting them, uh, getting a good fee for him in return after a year, then that's that's the way it is. You know, as long as he does the the business, if he if he's valuable at the end of that period of time, then he must have done something special for as well. He was here, so I uh, you know I'm I'm all in favour of that.
0: I think I think you're absolutely right, Ian. It's been actually a pleasant surprise to see to see Ruth and Morelos playing together and and playing so well together. He um, it, it does just bring another dimension and. Uh, no, times on, on Thursday he just looked to be a cut above some of the other players that we have he's just a, a different level so um, I think you have to again give, give praise to the, the the recruitment team the scouting team who have identified him and, and the powers that be at the club for, for managing to bring him on board I, I can't imagine he's a, a cheap player to have prized away from from Anderlecht so very very, um, very very happy with the return that we're getting from him so far um, I'm just gonna sort of say now we are getting some rumours, some rumours on the uh, on the comments here on YouTube that uh, that Lennon has been sacked from Celtic. We will try and uh, we'll try and corroborate that before the end of the show. We've only got about ten minutes left, so we will be sort of frantically googling and, and texting folk to see if that's if that's correct. But we're no sure at the moment. Just just hold on with us, and we'll, we'll try and get that corroborated.
1: I've got to say, if, if that is the case, you know, I mean, well, it doesn't really, shouldn't really matter what's going on uh, with them. You know, I'd, I'd be disappointed uh, because, uh, you know, I, I said, you know, months ago that I, I felt that uh, when I, I couldn't believe that he got the job. To be quite, quite honest, because um, I don't think his record really stands up to much scrutiny. Really, when you when you sort of start analysing it, and I thought that he would be. a a major weak link for for Celtic, and I didn't think that uh, under him that they would uh, they would be very successful, and uh, and it was certainly turning out that way. Uh, certainly, the, you know they do seem to be imploding. So I would be disappointed if that is the case. I think he should be given a given a fair run at it. I mean, it's ter- terrible getting rid of somebody at this time of year, uh, right uh, right before Christmas.
0: Absolutely, Um I agree. The thing is, it like I said at the top of the show, we're a Rangers podcast. We're here to talk about Rangers, but this does this does affect us. You know? Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it's 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 hugely relevant in what is a, a very very important title race this year. It's, it's hugely relevant in what our rivals are up to. I mean, if if you're the manager of Rangers, Ian, what do you do to try and ensure that your squad can capitalise on the on the kind of disharmony that's going on in the East End?
1: Well, I think you know what what is more important is that we just carry on doing what we've been doing you know because we are now in that position that we can only throw away um you know if we're, we're ahead you know we'll, we'll, there's a bit of daylight between us and, and celtic and and domestically so we are in the position that if we just carry on doing what we are doing then then we win the league and that that is exactly what I'm sure Gerard will be telling the, the the players if if they even discuss it, is that just ca- carry on doing what you're doing and, and just keep winning winning games and uh, and playing at the levels that we've been playing. Uh, you know, as long as we keep doing that, then the pressure is on them because, I mean, let's, let's be honest, they are absolutely obsessed with this uh, 10 in a row thing that nobody else really cares about. Uh, so that that's what's driving all the, the, the anger and the the fury and, and, and all the rest of it. Um, so no matter who's in charge, if we're still in a strong position um, come sort of springtime, um, then, you know, the pressure will be it up even more so it's just a case of just keeping going you know basically and and that's sort of very consistent Ian
0: with the message that we're getting from Gerard and from his players is you know I'm actually quite impressed to see how well drilled they all are in, in saying we focus on ourselves we take this one game at a time we know we don't let our standards slip we've learned our lessons from the last couple of seasons um you know, it seems that there's been a real concerted effort amongst the, the staff of the club to, to make sure everyone's on the same page. That there is a consistent message being given, um, and that we don't let, you know, a lack of professionalism or uh, any complacency start to start to seep in. Um, I've been doing some some fervent googling to try and find out if, if that rumor is correct. As far as I can see, it, it's um, there's been a few spoofed Twitter accounts that are trying to make themselves look like reputable news sources. Um, that are saying that he's gone at the moment. We can't find anything confirming it, or, or, or you know, anything with kind of accuracy or validity behind it to say that he has gone. So it doesn't seem to be the case at the moment. But I mean, it, it does seem like it's only a only a matter
1: of time. You, you'd have to say you'd be astonished if it if it didn't happen because you know uh, you know the, the 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 reaction tonight. I can't see how uh, the Celtic board could stand against that to be honest. I mean you know I mean they might well take the view that we're not going to be forced over by by more or whatever, but you know, the, the, you know, in the context of two wins in ten games, then I'd be amazed if they if they don't decide to to get rid of it. And especially as they they the board as well, I'm sure, are absolutely terrified that they don't get the ten in a row as well. So, you know, I, I think he's his days are numbered.
0: Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. And that that ten in a row, or nine point five in a row, seems to have real significance significance to them. So, yeah, interesting uh, few days ahead. And like I say, we're here to talk about Rangers, but this stuff really does really does affect us. Stuart, I can see that your name's popped back up in the screen. Have you uh, have you managed to rejoin us for the last few minutes?
2: I think the tide has come back in. Just like to thank BT
0: for for,
2: for their intermittent services. You, you, you either end up sounding like Norman Collier, that's one for the teenagers out there, or it doesn't work at all. Um, the last time I had problems like this, they not only sent me one new hub, they sent me three hubs, and then we found out that somebody... Uh, in the Stonehouse area had basically just cut a large patch out of it <laughs> the actual exchange. Therefore, it wouldn't matter how many they sent me. I'm just wondering if the same engineers have been at play this time again. But anyway, I, I do apologise to everyone. I'm, I'm sure some are, some might
0: celebrate not hearing me, but uh, I was enjoying myself. We're very, very pleased to have you back for the last few minutes of the show. Um, Stuart, we kind of actually got to the, the last question that we had slated here, so I'll, I'll direct it to yourself. Um, We've got the, the sort of unfortunate news today that, that Philip Hollander has tested positive for, for COVID-19 um, and it's the first uh, first team player that we seem to have had that's, that's been announced to have been tested positive. Do you have any worry that this leaves us a little bit short-staffed uh, at the, at the centre-half position? Obviously, we um, we don't seem to have George Edmondson available for, for selection and certainly will be, we'll, we'll be without him for number of games due to his COVID lockdown breaches, so does, does that give you any concern that we're maybe a little bit short on numbers at the back?
2: Yeah, um, to, to be honest, Holander to, in, to my mind, it's it's almost like an occupational hazard just now, that given your proximity to other human beings and playing professional sport, there's a chance that you might come down with uh, COVID or test pro- posit- or positive for COVID um and and to that end, I think you know it's that it, Edmondson's situation is compounded now by his own stupidity. Uh, do, do I think I think when you think you saw that Rangers had played with Bassey at centre back? Um, I think that um probably is Steven Gerrard testing his options already. And to be honest, I think I think that Rangers might be adequately covered in that particular position. Do
0: you think? Stuart, there's there's been claims that, that Rangers have kind of been getting away with it so far. We've certainly seen other teams in Scotland, not least Celtic, have had real problems with COVID and it's left them, you know, in, in difficult situations trying to field teams. And I, I think I'm right in saying St Mirren and Kilmarnock have have, uh, have both had a number of games postponed for, you know, just because of the sheer number of players that they've had out through, through positive COVID tests. Do you think that Rangers have kind of got, got lucky so far with, with the minimal impact that we've had from this virus?
2: I think they've got lucky in as much as Edinson and, and you know, and Jones um, were kind of headed off at the pass. I just slightly, like, you know, you, you just don't, you don't know how, how close you have been to, to, you know, whether you've dodged a bullet or whether you've been close to a bullet actually hitting you. And I, I, I go back to my, my point, you know, I think it's an occupational hazard in terms of playing professional sport just now and mixing with others. In the very nature of the the sport you're participating in, that there's a possibility that people will come down with COVID. No, you know, I I, I think the authorities need to be understanding um, in these situations, and they need to they need to look at take you know guys that actually go out and beat the the. The protocols, they're deserving of whatever punishment comes their way. But I, I, I do think at times that the games being postponed and the likes have been has been necessary. And I, and I would I would actually say that others may have been in a similar situation there have been less fortunate and not had their games called off. In terms of Rangers and what Rangers are doing, they must be doing something right, given that the numbers have been so few. touch wood.
1: I suppose the worry is that you know once you've had one you worry that you know, obviously Hillander's mixing with all the other players who'd have been training with them and, and so on. So you, I suppose your concern is that, you know, where's he picked it up from or who's he passed it on to and, and so on. Mm. So, I, I mean, yeah, we've been lucky so far. It's, it was inevitable we were going to uh, have, have a case and you just hope that it isn't going to affect a lot of players in the in the squad and, uh, you know, that has some uh, effect on the, the team that we can put out. But, you know, fingers crossed on that front. No, you're right. We we always knew at some point we would
0: start seeing this and the players would be testing positive. And I, I think the point of that question, in my, in my opinion, Rangers haven't been lucky. Rangers have put in protocols and procedures to ensure that they can keep their staff safe. And those have, have, have by and large, they seem to have worked. Um, the rumour is that Halanda picked it up because his wife picked it up when she was working. So... Um, you know, if, if that's the case, there's 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 not there's, there's only so much that Rangers can control, and if Rangers can control everything that they can control, which they appear to have done, they'll they'll try and keep a lid on this as much as possible and, and keep their staff safe. Um, that's not to say that other clubs haven't done that, but maybe other clubs, you know, have have been less fortunate than than Rangers have. But that doesn't mean that we've been lucky. That means that we've designed systems and protocols to keep. Uh, to keep secure, and and, and I'm glad to see that that's the case and that we have kind of reaped the benefits of that by having a a fit and healthy squad available for selection and and we're making the most of that. Um, As we say, look, this virus has been kicking around now in in this country for, what, eight months or eight or nine months or so, and um, whilst we are kind of look like we're we're heading towards a vaccine and that hopefully in in the coming months we'll all be back in the stadiums and, and we won't need to worry about this anymore, there still will be quite a long road ahead and, and we will get more positive tests. We, uh, we will get more players out missing. Um, we have to hope that it doesn't kind of go on a rampage through the squad because the position that we are in at the moment is incredibly promising in the league and and in all cups, you know, still in Europe, looking, well, all accounts look like we'll qualify out of that tough group in, in Europe, uh, doing very well in the, in the league cup, doing very, very well in the league. But it's all quite a precarious position because if we do get... Uh, a, a series of positive tests coming through the squad, that could that could really, really harm the chances in all of those competitions. And I think that Rangers need to take some credit for the systems and protocols that they clearly put in place to try and minimise the impact of COVID. And, and it seems to be paying off, like I say. Uh, gents, I think we've uh, we've just tipped over the hour mark and that's probably a good place to, to call it quits for today. As I say, um, it's some incredible scenes coming from, from the east end of Glasgow. Uh, which, given the lockdown situation, we're, we're certainly not happy to see. But please do keep yourselves tuned into to www.jersnet.co.uk for all of the breaking news in, in Scottish football. And, and if uh, if there is a, a change in management over at, uh, over at Celtic Park, then, well, let's see what that means for, for Rangers going forward this season. There's, there's certainly two schools of thought that it could be either a very, very good or a very, very bad thing for us if, if Lennon is replaced. So we'll just have to keep a close eye on that and uh, see where we end up. Obviously, I'd like to thank both Ian and Stuart for giving up their valuable time on Sunday evening to come and chat with us, even if Stuart was kind of dropping in and out. It was certainly still some very, very valuable insights. So thank you very much for that. As always, the show will be back next Sunday from 9.30 p.m., uh, where we will be talking over the the game against Liege and Rangers returning to league action. Um, Please do head over to the website to check out all of the latest uh, news. Join the friendly discussion forum where you can find myself, Stuart and Ian as well and get involved in the chat. As we're saying every week, guys, please do stay safe. Please don't turn out at uh, at the stadium and protest and throw stuff at the police. It's simply not worth it. Um, Please stay safe. Please look after each other.